is uh, a tremendous blessing and honor for me uh, to introduce you to one of my friends. Um, so I pastored First Assembly of God in Commerce, Texas. But before I pastored there, Brandon Newman was the youth pastor there for a couple years, a uh, period of time. And uh, so I always believe that when you come into a place of ministry, you stand upon the shoulders of giants. And Brandon uh, and his wife, Melissa, and their family for the last 13 years have been missionaries to Scotland. And uh, I, I do have to, I've shared this before, but I do have to say there was one time when, when uh, Melissa, I, I shared a picture of us eating some enchiladas. And Melissa, his wife, was like, oh, man, I, I really miss enchiladas. And I, I miss Texas food. And I'm like, Melissa, you and Brandon are living my dream. You're living in Scotland. Okay, and I'm honestly a little disappointed that Brandon doesn't have a Scottish accent. He's been there for 13 years. He's had ample time. I, that's my biggest disappointment with him, but it's my only disappointment with him. He and his wife are phenomenal ministers. They were, they've been working in youth ministry and have transitioned to a chaplaincy with uh, the Scottish uh, uh, football teams as well as now uh, Scottish basketball teams. They have professional basketball teams and. And so, you know, as they interact with these uh, athletes and coaches, they're impacting families um, and generations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, it is just a tremendous honor to welcome Brandon Newman to the platform. Would you welcome him this morning as he shares? Hey, thank you so much, Pastor Jason. I tell you, um, when you're from Texas, the accent doesn't go away. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and who would want your Texas accent to go away? You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Uh, but no, in Scotland, it's always funny because really over there, um, the accent does kind of mellow out a little bit in my opinion. Uh, but for the Scottish people, they're like, oh, I love your accent, especially older ladies for some reason, like retirees. I don't know why. But they always say, oh, I love your accent and their Scottish accent. And they say, where are you from? I said, Dallas. I say, oh, Dallas, J.R. Ewing, you know, or something. And I was like, yeah, that's right, J.R. Ewing. Um, but no, that's that. Honestly, I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation with so many people. But man, it is so good to be with you guys. Um, honestly, as Pastor Jason said, my name is Brandon Newman, and my fame and I we have been serving in Scotland as missionaries for almost 13 years. It'll be 13 years next month in May. I cannot believe it's gone by that fast. It's been incredible. Um, I do want to say up front, I am so sorry. I apologize that my wife Melissa is not here with us this morning. Uh, my oldest daughter Haley is actually, she's a student at Southwestern Assemblies of God University, SAGU there in Waxahachie. Um, she's a senior, but she's also engaged to be married uh, to a, a young man that's at Southwestern as well uh, named Drew, and they're planning to be missionaries themselves uh, once they graduate. He graduates this semester. Um, but anyway, we actually had a wedding shower for them yesterday at our house, and um, if, if you've never been around a bunch of college people uh, at a wedding shower in your home, you need to do it. It's a life-changing experience. It's, it's crazy, a lot of excitement, a lot of fun. But, you know, we had a blast. It was a great wedding shower. But needless to say, man, my wife and my, my youngest daughter are just completely wiped out. And, in fact, I, we were planning to drive up last night and actually be here uh, but because of the shower, I actually drove up this morning. So I've been up since about 4 a.m. Um, so no coffee, 
So uh, you can do it, okay? Uh, we're, we're believing. No, but, uh, but anyway, I, I'm so, so sorry that Melissa is not here. And then my youngest daughter, Lexi, isn't here either. Lexi was actually born in Scotland in our first missions term. And so, uh, so next time we're here, uh, we pray there's a next time that we uh, will we'll all be together. Uh, but no, thank you so much. As Pastor Jason said, for us, ministry... Uh, began in, well, actually began with children's church. We actually were children's pastors for a short period of time, but really my passion, my desire was always to be a youth pastor. Uh, I, for, for God called me into ministry at age 13, filled me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues at age 13. Is it okay if I walk back and forth for the camera? Okay. Um, didn't want to mess up a, a video feed. But when I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit at age 13, about two weeks later, God called me into ministry. I just felt God was just calling me to be a minister. And from that point on, I just began to serve in the local church, just began to do whatever I could to be a part of that, to be a part of the church, to be a part of ministry. Uh, like I said, we served as children's pastors, but we always wanted to be youth pastors. And God opened the door for us to go to Commerce, uh, where I was originally from, my hometown, uh, up uh, about an hour east of Dallas. And so we served as youth pastors there for a period of time. Then God allowed us to, to go into uh, the Metroplex, into Mesquite, just outside of Dallas. Uh, we were serving as youth pastors there. And in January 2005, a missionary going to Scotland came and spoke at our church. And as he began to speak about the need for youth ministry in Scotland, God began to speak to my heart. And honestly, he spoke to me like this. He says, Brandon, you could leave this ministry. Now, I've got people in this church that can take, take over from you and, and reach these young people in this community. We were reaching young people in the community doing different things at that time. He says, but no one's reaching the young people in Scotland. And he says, will you go? And I got to be honest, church, there were really three things that I always wanted. One I already said was being a, a full-time you know, youth pastor uh, at a church. The other was a family. I always wanted a, a family. My wife, we were married. Uh, at, um, we'd been married for several years at that point, or a few years at that point. We had a young daughter, Haley, our oldest now. And I always wanted a brick house, okay? I grew up in a mobile home, uh, and I always wanted a brick house. And God had given me all those things. I mean, he gave me the brick house. He gave me the family. And he, and he gave us, us that opportunity to serve as youth pastors. And he says, Brandon, I've given you these things, the desires of your heart, but will you give them back to me? Uh, and, and honestly, I want to say it was tough, but man, when God speaks to you, you know what I'm saying? Um, how could you say no? You know what I mean? How could we say no? But we prayed about it and we really felt God was leading us. So the first few years in Scotland, we were doing youth ministry, uh, a lot of youth outreach. Um, alcohol is a huge, huge problem in Scotland. It's just really ingrained in the culture, uh, that we're Scottish. We drink a lot, but unfortunately, it is just destroying lives. It's, it's, it's destroying lives. It's destroying families. Um, alcoholism is a huge, man, it, it plays a big part of, of my life because actually both my parents died from it. Um, they were both alcoholics, unfortunately, and passed away from that, uh, the complications from that. And so when I see these young people uh, addicted to alcohol at such a young age, I mean, it's actually legal for a five-year-old to be given alcohol inside their home. Uh, and so from a very young age, these kids start drinking, and it's just a huge, huge problem. And so what we did uh, during our early years there in Scotland, we started a youth outreach center where kids uh, and teenagers, they could come in off the streets. They couldn't drink, uh, but we could build relationships. We could share the gospel with them. BGMC, uh, praise God, bought us equipment, games, video games, air hockey tables. So these kids came in off the streets, and then we were able to reach them that way and minister to them. We were in the high schools. But also during that time, not only were we doing youth outreach, 
But God was also placing in our desire, uh, our heart, the desire to church plant. We want to see the local church established in Scotland. There's only around 50 Assemblies of God churches in the entire country. And so God had really placed that desire in our heart. We started a, a thing called Cafe Church uh, because you've got to understand people in Scotland just don't really go to church. They don't associate with the church. They view the church as the past, as history, as, as really irrelevant. Um, and so because of that, we've always said, listen, if people won't come to the church, we're going to take the church to them. Um, and so what we started doing was a, a ministry called Cafe Church, where every Thursday night we would have a church service in a coffee shop like Starbucks uh, during business hours. And the reason we did it during business hours while they were opening, while customers were coming in and out, was so that those that weren't even sitting with us in our church section of the cafe, they would sit near us and they would listen. They could hear what we were talking about. They could hear the gospel. So the gospel was going out uh, to those not even in the church because, you know, they were there having their coffee. And it was amazing to see what God would do. Well, through that, man, God really, really birthed in our heart and our desire to plant a church in Glasgow, the largest city in Scotland, around 600,000 people, Glasgow. And so this was about seven, eight years ago. And I want to preach as well, but I wanted to share this story with you real quick if I could. Well, we knew God was calling us to Glasgow to plant a church, uh, but that was it. We didn't know how he was going to do it. And so one day I was running, I was working out, I was exercising, and I was praying, and I was saying, God, how do you want us to plant this church? How do we, how do we, what's our strategy here? What are we going to do? I don't really feel like cafe church, the cafe approach is what we're supposed to do in that full sense. So I was running and praying, God spoke a word to me, uh, and later he showed me a verse. In fact, if you have your Bible, turn with me, if you would, this morning to Exodus chapter 4, verse number 2. Exodus chapter 4, verse number 2. And while you're turning there, I'm going to give you a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of background about this passage, okay? So what's going on here is this is where Moses is out being a shepherd. He's out serving, working. He's out taking care of sheep. And he sees something he's never seen before, right? He sees a bush on fire. Now, he's seen that before, but this particular bush, it won't burn up. It's on fire, but it just won't burn up. So he's like, what in the world's going on with this bush? So he approaches the bush. Well, as he approaches the bush, God Almighty speaks to Moses, and he says, Moses, take off your shoes, take off your sandals, for this place where you're standing is holy ground. God goes on then to speak to Moses and says, Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of captivity, out of slavery. Well, I got to be honest, if you read this passage in Exodus, these, these, these verses here, you'll see that Moses was not exactly thrilled at this idea of going back to Pharaoh or going to Pharaoh and leading the Israelites out of slavery. In fact, Moses said to God, he says, God, who am I? God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring your people out of Egypt? He says, God, I can't speak. He says, you know, God, surely you've made a mistake here. Moses actually said to God, God, please send somebody else. God, please just send somebody else. God, I can't do that. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but there's been times I have. i got to be honest. I'm like, God, who am I? Who am I, a young kid from a small town in Texas, 500 people, who am I to go to Scotland and tell them about you? But church, listen, when God calls you, it's no longer you going, it's God going through you, amen? And when God spoke to Moses that day and says, Moses, I'm going to help you speak, I'm going to teach you what to say, but Moses was still like, God, please send somebody else. 
Well, that takes us to Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. When Moses said, God, send somebody else. God said to Moses, Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. Then the Lord said to him, the Lord said to Moses, Moses, what is that in your hand? A staff or a rod, Moses replied. So that day I was running, I was, I was exercising, I was working out and saying, God, how do, you, how do you want us to plant this church? And God said, well, Brandon, what's in your hand? What are you doing? I said, well, Lord, I'm, I'm exercising. I'm running. I'm working out. He said, I'm going to use that. Well, I took that as the spirit-filled man of God, missionary in Scotland. We were in Scotland at this time, man of God that I am. And I, I finished my workout, and I did what any spirit-filled man of God would do. I Googled uh, Fitness Glasgow. All right? That's exactly, that's exactly what I did. I Googled Fitness Glasgow. I felt that was really what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do right then. So I did that, and up popped this facility in Glasgow, this, this fitness center, okay? And, uh, man, it's an amazing facility. It was this huge, huge place. We went and did a, a small tour of it. My wife and I did check it out to see if it would work for a church plant. And, man, we found this room upstairs that was incredible, a huge, huge room upstairs that we thought would be perfect for a church plant. And so we actually had finished our missions term. We were coming back to Texas for a period of itineration like we're doing right now where we travel, we preach, we, we raise uh, prayer support, financial support, monthly support, things like that. So we finished our term. We came back to Texas, and that was our message during that itineration. God's called us to Glasgow to plant a church in this room upstairs in this fitness center. Uh, man, praise God, he provided all of our financial needs. We were able to go back to Glasgow. God actually blessed us with an apartment uh, directly across the street from that facility. I mean, God, we just felt he was putting us into place. It was just coming together perfectly. Well, I figured now is probably a good time to go ahead and talk to the manager over there, though, and make sure, make sure he's okay with us planting this church in this facility. We didn't want to do it beforehand because we were leaving for about a year and it kind of could be weird, you know, and different things. So we, we, we felt we should wait. So I scheduled a meeting, right? And we sit down and I kind of explained to him, hey, this is what we've done in the past with the cafe church. Um, this is what we'd like to do, have a church service on a sunny night, blah, 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 different things. And he's listening to me and he says, man, Brandon, he says, that sounds interesting. I says, I got to be honest. My mom used to take me to church, you know, uh, to, to, when I was a kid. I quit going. I was a teenager because I just didn't really connect with it. But what you're describing is, is different. I like it, you know. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Kind of. He says, but here's the problem. He says, I can make more money, though, in one night renting that, that room upstairs. I can make more money in one night than you could pay me in a year. He says, because I have, like, this open bar up there, and we serve alcohol, blah, blah, blah. I can make all this money. So he says, from a business point of view, man, he says, I just can't do it. He says, I would lose money in this situation. And when he says that, I got to be honest, man, I'm sitting there hearing those words thinking, I've missed God. Somewhere in this journey, somewhere in this, this period of time, in this calling, I've missed God here. And I'm thinking, what are we going to do? We've just gotten back to Scotland. We've been able to raise the support to plant this church. I mean, what are we going to do? And we talk back and forth a few minutes trying to figure something out. It's just not coming together. And I just think, Lord, what are we going to do? But right about that time, he says, he says, now, wait a minute. He says, how big is your church? I says, well, man, it's, it's just me and my family right now. I mean, it's just four of us. We're just getting started, okay? And he says, oh, he says, I thought it was bigger. I was like, no, no, not yet. And he says, well, well, follow me. I said, okay. And so we walk through this facility. And again, it's this huge fitness center, 5,000 plus members, okay? 
Uh, huge, huge facility. He walks me through this cafe area, similar like a cafe church style we had done before. He walks me through this huge cafe. In this cafe area is this huge children's play area, kind of like you see at McDonald's, indoor playground kind of a thing, set up over on the side. And then he walks me into this room I'd never seen before. Well, in this room, it's actually a mini movie theater. Okay, with theater-style seating, would seat about 40, 50 people. And the front, or front wall was this huge movie screen. And he says, would all this work for you? You know, you could have your meetings in this room. Your kids could play here. You can use the cafe area for, you know, hanging out after service, things like that. He says, would, would this work? And I'm thinking, yeah, this, this would be great. You know what I'm saying? But I'm thinking in my head as well, I'm like, now how much is this going to cost? I just wanted one room. He's talking about this whole whole thing. I says, man, this would be great. Honestly, I says, but really, I said, but how much, how much would this cost? And he said, tell you what, no charge. He says, no charge. He says, you use it till you outgrow it and then we'll figure something else out. All right. And I said, you got a deal. <laughs> I said, where do I sign? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But through that, through that, we were able to launch and plant Life Church Glasgow, uh, this last missions term. And church, I tell you that story to say this. Church, if God calls you to something, if God gives you a promise, okay, listen, it may not turn out or look like you think it's going to look, but I can promise you if God's in it, it's probably going to be better than what you can imagine in your head and what you picture. Uh, but but um, what I want to tell you this morning is this, whether God calls you to Scotland or whether God calls you to be right here where you're at in this community, God, I believe, has called each and every one of us to mission. And this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, in a few more minutes, about by planting Church Glasgow, what that's led us into, uh, in addition to continuing church planting ministry. Uh, Pastor Jason mentioned some of it already. But before I do that, I want to share with you this morning three things I believe it takes to live a life of mission for God. Is that all right? So if you're taking notes, three things I believe it takes to live a life of mission for God. The first thing I believe, number one, that it takes to live a life of mission, number one, is faith. Faith. Church, faith is the foundation. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. Church, faith is the absolute key to doing anything for God, including, first and foremost, making him Lord and Savior of your life. Um, you know, and as we read through Hebrews chapter 11, if you've never read that chapter, man, I strongly encourage you to do so. It's an incredible, incredible chapter. We call it the faith chapter because it's filled with stories and accounts of men and women who did these incredible things for God. Um, you know, stories as you read in the Old Testament, you know, like, like David and Goliath, how a young kid killed this giant through the power of God. You know, how a man named Daniel by faith was able to to, to survive a night in a lion's den, how he wouldn't waver in his faith. But it's incredible stories of men and women who do these incredible things for God by faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And one day I was, as I was reading through that, I'm thinking to myself, God, there is no way I could ever do these things that these men and women did for you. And there's no way I could do that. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, well, listen, Brandon, I've never called you to do those things. That was their calling. That's what I called them to do, and they accomplished it by faith. All you can do 
or what I only thing I expect from you to do is what I've called you to do. Be faithful to that which I've called you, and you're going to be okay. Because at the end of the day, church, when we stand before God, what do we hope that he says? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. And like I mentioned earlier, whether God calls you to the mission field or, or calls you to, to go across the street to your, to your neighbor, your coworker, or your classmate, we're all called by God. And this certainly requires faith. And in fact, we're all called to love and to bless and to pray for others. Uh, and this certainly requires faith, especially when it comes to those that don't love us back and don't want our love in their opinion. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28, Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. We're called to, to love and pray and bless those who are lost. Pray for those who are lost. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He says, therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In church, we're also called to pray for those and love those and bless those that are trying to reach the lost. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15, the apostle Paul writes, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God for that, amen? Shall be saved. He says, but how then can they call on the one of whom they have not believed in? How can they believe in, in the one of whom they have not even heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anybody preach unless they're sent, unless they're there? He says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Church, I believe the key to living a life of faith is simply taking one step after the other. Hebrews, I'm sorry, James chapter 2, verse 26 says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works or actions is also dead. You know, I praise God that he doesn't show us the whole picture in the beginning. You know what I mean? Because honestly, I think one of two things would happen if God was to show me everything. You know what I mean? Like what's going to happen this next missions term or what even was going to happen last missions term. I think one of two things would happen if God had showed me everything. Number one, I would either mess it up, you know, trying to do it my way, trying to force something to happen or trying, you know what I mean? I'd probably either mess it up. Uh, or number two, I would just like run away in fear. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my goodness, there's no way I can do that. I'm out of here. But that, God doesn't work that way. What God will do is God will show you the next step to take, the next step of faith to take. And when you take that step of faith, he then shows you the next step. And it's a process like that. And that's how God works for some crazy reason. But God works and he operates faith in that way. And when God shows us what to do, though, church, we must act. We can't sit still. For as James just said, I just read the passage, faith without works, faith without actions is dead. Before that, James, it says, listen, you show me your faith by what you say. I'm going to show you my faith by what I do. I'm going to get out there. and I'm going to do something. I'm going to move. Uh, and then I praise God for that. But here's the key. Here's the thing. It doesn't happen overnight. All right. Even when you start moving, it's a process and it takes time. And actually, it leads me to my second point this morning. Number two, the second thing I believe it takes to live a life of mission for God 
is patience. Patience. Oh boy, right? Here we go. Patience. James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. James writes, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. He says, See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. He says, You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. You know, they always say, Never ask God for patience uh, because he will give you an opportunity to exercise some patience. But the reality is, is whether you ask for it or not in life, there are going to be opportunities. and There's going to be situations in our life where we where it requires patience. Um, and I used to pray. I said, man, God, help me to have patience in this. God, please give me patience during this time. You know, I'm I'm frustrated. I'm ready. To, you know, I'm ready for this to happen now, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, one day the, the Lord spoke to me, and he says, listen, he says, don't ask me to give you patience. He says, well, let me just back it up for a second. As believers in Christ, right, the Bible teaches us, the Bible says, when we ask the Lord into our life, when we surrender our life to Christ, become a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God plants and places inside of us his Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. As Pentecostal believers, as spirit-filled believers, we also believe in the baptism, the power of the Holy Ghost, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so what I'm talking about here is in Galatians chapter 5, the apostle Paul not only talks about the Holy Spirit, he goes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so one day I'm praying for God, I'm praying to God, saying, God, please help me to have patience, please give, give me patience. Well, God showed me, he says, well, listen, Brandon, don't pray for patience, pray that you can use the patience I've already given you through my Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So you see, church, as spirit-filled believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, having the Holy Spirit living inside of us, God has placed inside of us his patience through his Holy Spirit. And so the next time you feel that impatient or the next time you need peace, say, God, help me to use that which you've placed inside of me through your Holy Spirit. God, I believe in your power. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Please help me, God, to, to live a life that represents that. Let the fruit of the Spirit be evident in my life. And i got to be honest, this is a challenge. Uh, especially in today's age, you know, where fear is rampant and impatience is a hard thing to come by. I'm just speaking in my own personal life. But I say, God, help me to live a life where the fruit of the Spirit is so evident. Because honestly, church, the reason we're in Scotland is really for one reason and one reason alone, and that's to see the lost come to know Jesus. And when we've been there for, like I said, almost 13 years, and we have sown so much seed, but we're just praying for harvest, man. We're just praying and we're believing that more and more people are going to come to know the Lord Jesus. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is when Jesus is talking, or actually Jesus is having a get-together, a party with a lot of his disciples, but also with, with kind of the outcasts of society, the people that the religious leaders would look down upon. The Bible says Jesus was, was having this party, this get-together, this dinner with tax collectors and with sinners and with just really scum of the earth, if you want to call them that. I mean, just people that, again, the, the religious people of that day just were like, how in the world can you associate with those people? In fact, those people 
went to Jesus and his disciples and says, man, why does your master, why does Jesus eat with sinners and with tax collectors? And Jesus' response in Mark chapter 2, verse 17 is, is amazing. And I try to live my life this way. But Jesus' reply, Mark 2, 17, he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He says, I have not come to call the righteous or the self-righteous, but sinners. And church, that's why we're in Scotland, man. That's why we keep going back, because we want to see the lost. We want to see people that are not living that abundant life that the Bible talks about, that Jesus talks about. Jesus says, listen, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, have it to the full, have it to the max. And that's why we're going back to Scotland. Now, I sh shared earlier how God had allowed us to plant Life Church Glasgow. And um, so our strategy kind of was this. It's kind of this way. So on, on Sunday night, we would have our service. But what really kind of happened was Monday through Friday or even Saturday, we basically became kind of the pastors of the facility. Uh, we didn't intend for it to happen this way. It just kind of happened again. Uh, but honestly, everything I'd ever done pastorally in terms of of counseling, bereavement support, uh, weddings even. I did the wedding for the head trainer there in the gym of the, the fitness center. Everything pastorally we've ever done, we started doing. People began to look at us or look to us as their pastors. Um, not all of them. In fact, the vast majority of people weren't coming to our Sunday night service, but Monday through Friday they were coming to us as pastors. They don't use that term pastor in Scotland, but what kind of was happening is we were becoming the chaplain of the facility. Uh, and so our strategy was this way, though. What we found was by being Christ, by being pastorally proactive, by doing these different things, by being Christ, we were then able to share Christ um, with all these people. It was incredible, to be honest, to see how God was putting this all together. Well, not long into this process, I received a phone call one day from a gentleman named Mark Fleming. Now, Mark Fleming is the National Director for Professional Sports Chaplaincy in Scotland. And he says, Brandon, I hear what you're doing there in Glasgow. I've, I've heard what's happening there. He says, man, I'd love to meet with you and talk to you about what we do with, with, with chaplaincy. Well, to make a long story short, Mark had asked me, uh, Mark asked me to serve as a chaplain to one of the professional soccer teams there just outside of Glasgow. And so I began serving there. Um, not long after that, he asked me then to oversee the league, be the pastoral director for, for League One of the Scottish Professional Football or Soccer League. Uh, so we did that for, uh, for a period of time. Uh, and then Mark moved me actually to a larger soccer team, a larger football team. They call it football in Scotland. Uh, okay, I know you probably know that, but I'm just interchanging those words here. Um, so I was at a larger team while still overseeing League One. And, man, it was incredible to see what God was doing. Well, a couple of years ago, though, Mark came to me, and he says, listen, Brandon, he says, we're doing really well in football, professional football. We have now a chaplain at pretty much every single professional soccer team, football team in Scotland. He says, but we don't have anybody, any chaplains whatsoever in professional basketball. He says, would you be the first one? Would you pioneer this if you could? And so I became the chaplain for the Glasgow Rocks professional basketball team. And so that's actually where I serve now. I'm the chaplain for the Glasgow Rocks professional basketball team. And again, it's very much similar to what we're doing at the gym and that we're their pastor. And not just the players. These are the players, but it's their families. It's the staff. And we found it's also the fans. 
It's these hundreds and even thousands of fans that come to these games and things. They look to you as their spiritual leader. They look to you as their, their pastor. Uh, they come to you and they, they, they seek you out for things because, again, most of these people don't go to church. They don't associate with the church. And so you're the representation of the church to these people. And what we have found through our church planning efforts and through chaplaincy, we've been kind of a bridge connecting the two together. And it's been great as well to see, you know, players coming along to the church plant. Uh, you know, we've actually partnered now with a Scottish pastor there because we had to come back to America and they're continuing uh, their church planning efforts. And so we're, we're, it's amazing to see what God is doing. Uh, we're anxious to get back. Uh, obviously, we're, we're really hoping to get back. Uh, but before I, I move on in the message, I want to show you real quick a short video that will give you kind of a glimpse, an idea of what it looks like on kind of a daily basis, what we do there at Glasgow Rocks. We're going to play that video. My name is Brandon Newman. I'm the team chaplain here for Glasgow Rocks. And basically what that means is I provide pastoral support for the players, for the staff, uh, for the families of the players. Basically what I would do is I'm kind of a, a person that the players can speak with uh, on a kind of a daily basis. Um, as well as anybody else, like I mentioned, the staff, the families, things like that. Um, also, one of the things I'm hoping to be able to do is help with the foreign players uh, integrate into the, the Scottish society or culture or whatever as they're moving over from, say, America, Canada, um, any other country, even in Europe. But one thing I really admire about the Rocks, and I think they're doing really, really well, it's how they take care of the families during the games, is they actually have a section specifically designated for the families, uh, which is great for me because it lets me know that's where I need to be during the games or where I want to be uh, during the games. My experience here at the Rocks in this limited time has really just felt like uh, part of the family, to be honest. Uh, they've really just opened or welcomed me in with open arms, uh, which has been absolutely fantastic. And it's one of those situations where you just kind of like, wow, this is really, a great organization to, to be a part of, and I'm really enjoying it. It's been great. So that was a video that The Rocks actually did. They did a, a thing called the Team Behind the Team, and so I wasn't able to talk much about the church or spirituality, but there at the end, what I really wanted to say uh, was it, you sit back and you think, wow, this is really an opportunity that God has opened up. This is really an opportunity. This is really a door of ministry of opportunity that God has created, uh, and it's such a blessing to be a part of that. If you would, church, please pray for us, pray with us. Uh, like I said, we're back here in Texas right now itinerating. Uh, they've given us a new budget that we have to raise before we can go back. Where we're at right now with our budget is we need to raise $12,000 in cash. Uh, the vast majority of that is actually going towards visa expenses. Uh, it's legal. It is legal to be in Scotland as a missionary. We can call ourselves missionaries in Scotland. Uh, however, they make it incredibly expensive to be a missionary in Scotland, and they keep making it more and more expensive. And so the vast majority of that $12,000 cash is going towards our visa immigration expenses. And then right now where we're at is we need to raise $1,344 in new monthly partnership and new monthly support. Uh, that number is significant to me because when we first started itineration, we actually needed to raise $2,600. And so where we're at right now is we are $44 in monthly support away from being halfway there. Uh, and man, I'm ready to be over that hump, if you know what I'm saying. When Wednesday hits, you know what I mean? You get over the hump for the week and things just go downhill. We're believing that once we get over that hump, we're going to be flying downhill uh, and we can get back to Scotland. So please pray with us. Um, number one, 
for fruit and for favor when we get back to Scotland, that we'll see people come to know the Lord, but also pray for us during this time that God will provide these financial needs. And I want to share with you really quick, if you can, I've never shared this and I preached before, but I believe my family, maybe we just may be under a, an attack or something of the enemy. I don't know what's going on, but when we've been having car issues, all right, and uh, I, I intentionally, I'm really p- particular with cars. We have a Toyota Corolla and a Honda Civic, all right? I buy those cars because they're reliable cars. Um, but last month, my wife had a, a wreck, and it totaled the Corolla. Uh, everybody's okay, praise God. But since that's happened, it's almost like one thing after the other. Uh, the Civic had some issues. I had to put it in the, in the shop even just two weeks ago. And then even this last week, I had to put it back in the shop or something. And it's just kind of like, as a missionary itinerating, all we do really right now is I travel. I'm just on the road all the time. And so if the enemy can attack me in this area, you know what I'm saying? That might be a place he's going to hit us hard. And it's incredibly discouraging. I, I got to be honest. So will you please pray that, that we won't have any more car problems, all right? Just um, we've been able to replace the Corolla. Praise God. That's what insurance is for and, uh, and, and things like that. So we're moving forward and we're not going to quit. You know what I'm saying? But uh, man, just pray that, that God will... You know, no more of this stuff, okay, and, and, and the expenses of it associated with it. But please pray, pray for that, too. You're the first people I've ever said that, uh, but I believe you pray, so thank you for, for doing that. It takes faith. It takes patience. Uh, but, church, the key in all this is, like I just said, you can't quit. You can't quit. And that actually leads me to my third and final point this morning. Number three is it takes perseverance. It takes perseverance to live a life of mission for God. We can't quit and we can't give up. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, let us not become weary in well-doing for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. If we don't give up. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, and being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Church, God will fulfill his promises, amen? And we must never forget the promises that God has made to us. God's promise to never leave us or forsake us. Pastor said, Pastor preached a lot of my message this morning. I gotta be honest, I was like, come on, Pastor. You know, don't, no, but God promises that and he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse six says, be strong and courageous. He says, don't be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord your God, he goes with you. He goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Church, God's promise to provide all of our needs. Amen. He promises that. Philippians 4.19, he says, And my God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches in the, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And this is my favorite promise of all. Jesus' promise to return for us. Amen. Jesus promised to return for us. John chapter 14, verse 3, Jesus said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that where I am, there you may be also. Church, Jesus is returning. And I got to be honest, I want to be ready, obviously, absolutely. I want my family to be ready 
But church, I want as many people as well to take with me to heaven. Amen. I don't want it just to be me and my family. I want my friends. I want my my coworkers. I want these people in school to come know the Lord Jesus Christ, to be with me for eternity in heaven. In closing this morning, I want to go back to the, the beginning of the message. Back to Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. And I want to ask you, church, what's in your hand this morning? What talents? What abilities, what resources has God placed in your care that he's given you as a gift for his kingdom? What has he given you to be able to reach those who are lost to tell them about Jesus Christ? I'm pretty sure he's given you something. I don't know what it is. That's God's business. You know what I'm saying? But what's in your hand this morning? It's not always going to be easy, for sure of that. I can promise you that. Jesus, in fact, himself said, and I'm about to wrap up, so if the musicians, they want to come back, they can. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said that. But he didn't stop there. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And in fact, I love what the apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Church, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how much trial, no matter how difficult life may be here on earth, it pales in comparison to how great and glorious heaven is going to be one day. In fact, Paul writes in Romans 8, 18, and I close with this, I consider that our present suffering cannot be compared at all with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, you are so, so good. And Father, I just pray right now, under the sound of my voice in this room, Father, if there is anyone here maybe struggling, God, maybe with a calling upon their life, God, maybe something that you've you maybe called them to many years ago and they've maybe just kind of pushed that to the, to, to the side or have resisted or, or whatever it might be. Father, I pray faith would arise in this place this morning. Father God, I pray that you would help us to take, God, even that first step of faith and say, God, I'm moving in that direction. God, I'm going to do that which you've called me to do. God, our sister and, and pastor were talking this morning about serving about serving in the local church and, and serving here in, in their home church. And God, serving out into the community. And so, Father, I just pray right now, God, you would begin, as if I, even as I'm praying now, begin to speak to us, Holy Spirit, and show us, God, that which is in our hand. God, what we can use for your glory. For truly, God, I don't want to do anything apart from bringing you glory. And so, Lord, we just pray right now, You'd speak to us, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. I love you, Lord Jesus. I pray you'd be glorified in Jesus, in your name.